Welcome everyone to oh nice Eric <laughs> the faces of depression roundtable. Um, alongside me is Eric Murphy. We've got Jonathan and Christian. How you guys doing? Hey, doing awesome. good. Sweet, uh, Eric. Starting with you, tell everyone a little bit about yourself. Eric, I believe you're muted. Can he hear us? Hi, Eric. Wait, are you telling me that Eric Murphy's having an audio issue? What is this alternate universe? Can you hear us? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So in the meantime, Jonathan, let's start with, with you. Okay. Okay. I know you asked questions before that, and, and uh, I may have forgotten most of them, and I'm going to pretend like I didn't. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> intro. We'll get into the questions in a moment. Okay. Uh, just telling you about myself? Yeah, yeah. Just who you are. Okay, uh, I'm Jonathan. I'm absolutely completely new to the uh, online community regards to atheism, uh, but uh, I have been an atheist for about seven years, so uh, experience with that, and I have had a lot of experience with depression. <laughs> Intro. We'll get into the questions in a moment. Okay. Whoops. Now I'm having an audio issue. <laughs> <laughs> I was this is going so well. It's going to be one of those days, isn't it? <laughs> yep. <laughs> Sorry, Jonathan. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Do I need to repeat anything? Or are we good there? No, no, we're good. Okay, okay. So I'm Jonathan. Hi. Oh. <laughs> uh, now, back over to Eric Murphy. Hi. I, I can see and hear you. How's it going? <laughs> good yourself. Doing good, doing good. Uh, I was not here for the prompt. Um, do just say who we are. Yeah, that's it. Oh, okay. Uh, hi, I'm Eric Murphy. He's cool. <laughs> <laughs> and moving on, uh, uh, Christian. I'll be I'll be a little more in depth than Eric there. Um, I'm. <laughs> I'm I'm Christian J. Watkins. I do YouTube and all those sorts of things. YouTube.com slash Christian J. Watkins. Subscribe if you can. Awesome. You know, it, it, it's a good day when the, the, the Faces of Depression Roundtable starts off with laughter. I'd say that's actually what. <laughs> yes. I think so. Oh. I think so. We, I think we can, all, we can all relate to audio issues. That's for sure. Yes. They always yeah. have to be respected. Especially. Um, so let's get started. What does depression mean to you? Same Whoever order? Or? No, anyone can jump in. Um, so depression, what it means to me personally, um, I, I've been diagnosed with I have clinical depression. Um, and there have been times where I've had major depression and I've moved out of that. Um, but essentially it's a the chemical imbalance things can be going great everything in my life could be objectively fantastic and um i just my brain doesn't make all the feel-good chemicals and um because of that um it's it's a it's a struggle it's a struggle every day um it's something that um has been a a negative influence on my life and something that i've learned to well I still try to, it still takes a lot of work, um, but you, you live with it and you learn that it's not something you get rid of always, but it's something that you uh, do your best to cope with. You know, you, you, you don't let yourself identify as your depression. I think that's probably the big key there is 
you don't let it become your identity. Good way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I guess all, all I would say is in my personal life, I almost always use this illustration, which is it's almost as though your life is painted in um, the classic painting. It's many different colors and many different shapes and you are forced to see it through a monochromatic lens. Everyone else is seeing the, the vibrant colors and as much as you wish that you could see the vibrant colors some days, it just, you don't have a choice but to see it through a monochromatic lens. And I would say that's something that I would think is a, a relatively, at least to my, my, my view of it. But I absolutely love that analogy, Christian. That is spot on, my man. Uh, Always here for those. Jonathan. Uh, for me, depression has to be tied to with my diagnosis, which is called double depression, which means the human brain is so messed up that you can have depression twice, which is terrible, quite frankly. It's a low mood coupled with major depressive episodes on top of that that are Ooh. exaggerated by the initial. Uh, I'm to the point where I just have minor depressive episodes now, but th that nearly killed me. Uh, it would be like the simple act of brushing my teeth no longer became just get in there and brush your teeth. Every single movement became its own individual insurmountable task. And it's exhausting. Yeah. That's also a good way to put it. Um, you know, I, I would just describe it for myself. It's like this black hole that continues to pull you down and you're fighting and it's when it's coupled with anxiety, it's like oh, your, yeah. your brain is attacking itself and yeah. you're just like, you're just getting more and more anxious. And it's like, it's hard to describe, but it's, it actually kind of hurts when you have both. It's yeah. physically painful. Like I felt my walk and my look different. I wasn't making eye contact with people. Like it's just a horrible weight. Have, has anybody here seen Big Mouth? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Depression Kitty. Depression Kitty is super real. Depression Kitty is the best way that I've seen that kind of, um, you know, uh, visualized as just this voice that's just like, you should just lay in bed now. You, you, it you lowers you in is you want to lay in bed. That's all you want. You want to get away from things and everybody else is going to go. Yeah, no, that's great. Cause you're like, I had a rough day. I'm just going to go home and, 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 and close the door. But no, no, you get into bed. No, don't do it. Just, don't do it. It just wipes you. It just wipes everything you have. And it is just intense. Yeah. Um, I, I think, I think the worst part for me is doing very little and then having it feel feeling like you did everything. <laughs> and you know getting getting up and doing just such smaller minuscule tasks and then an hour or two later just feeling like you've spent you know the last 12 hours working non-stop and you go lay down because just all the energy that you had to start the day has somehow been sapped from you in in those those two hours and it's it's not something it's something that this week even just as recently as that has been exactly what my my life cycle has been like you know, I, I'm glad we're talking about this and, uh, you know, I have wanted to talk about this for a while and, uh, the original round table I planned, which was a, a few weeks back, I got hit out of nowhere 
Now, the last time I was actually feeling uh, depressed and anxious was probably about two years ago. Like I've been very fortunate. I've had nothing but positive experiences, but then I got hit and I, the anxious thoughts got so bad that they went to suicidal thoughts and I started shaking and crying and that's not like me. And it freaked me out. And I actually called my ma and I shared my voice. She came over and I just said, look, there is something wrong with me right now. All I can fixate on is these thoughts I'm having. They're not healthy. I'm like, I need, I need to get help. We need to go in. And I went to the, uh, I foolishly went to the emergency room. I, I don't have experience in this area. So I went where, uh, I thought was best. I said to the nurses that I wanted to talk to them about what I'm feeling. I was there because I needed help, but I could not be locked in a room. And they said, that's okay. You can talk to us. Big mistake. Yeah. They locked down, didn't they? Within 30 seconds, my bag was being ripped from me. My phone, they locked down the medicine cabinet. Security comes in and I'm like, that just sent me into overload. I'm like, I literally just told you I am not going to do anything. And they didn't care. They weren't having it. They shipped me off to this facility that gave me the choice of signing involuntary, which is the five-day hold, or voluntary. But I couldn't leave anyway. So obviously, I signed voluntary. And for the next 24 hours, I was pretty much in a room alone given food and medication. No one talked to me. No psychiatrist saw me, no counselor, no group activities. It was the fucking definition of hell because now I was miserable and I had nothing, but I was locked in a, or not locked in a room. I was in a room alone with nothing. Tracked with your own brain. Yes. And that's literally like, it's like, you guys are screwing me up worse. Like I actually need help right now. And you're not doing anything. I would have been better off at home at that point. So let me just say this past few weeks has sucked. And this conversation is more important to me now more than ever. Because people need to know it's okay. And we need to get better at helping people. Uh, Absolutely. I had a much better initial result when I reached out for help. I called the Veterans Crisis Center and told them that I was experiencing suicidal ideation. And they talked me through it. Uh, They got me set up with a a therapist through the VA facility in Chattanooga. And that's a different story. But uh, as far as the call goes, it was great. And they asked me, well, how are you planning on killing yourself? And I answered, I've been practicing tying a noose. And they told me to get rid of all the rope in my house and just, you know, if I felt like I was going to do it, just call them again. Yeah. Hey. Yeah, I guess um, mine mine was actually more of a, a recent development. Uh, I, I didn't have any sort of any sort of long term endemic problems. Mine was based on a, a trauma that occurred. Um, I was in a pretty 
uh, serious car accident about a year or so ago and, um, you know, completely decompressed my spine. My lower back was totally just destroyed and I couldn't walk for a month plus. And it was so terrible. And I missed the last part of my debate season. I missed the championships for that. I didn't get to do any other school activities outside of that. I missed school enough to where I got behind enough to where my GPA fell. And all of this stuff happened at once. And because of that, the situation caused me to... I already couldn't do much, but somehow I found a way to do less. And I just... I stopped caring about literally anything. And I, n I never got to the point where I actually wanted like to die or anything like that. But I was just like, I was just like, I'm done. I'm going to take the next couple of years and just lay in bed. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm lucky that in that time I deconverted because had I, had I stayed inside of that headspace while being religious, I feel like I would have just said, all right, it's time to go see God. And I'm so glad that I found the importance and finitude of the time that we have here in the absence of a, of a creator, because if I wouldn't have left religion in such a dark place, it would have gotten significantly worse before it got better. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, I, I, have, uh, I definitely understand the suicidal ideation. Um, that's something that has kind of been a specter for me. Um, coming and going more more often, it's there than not for another better part of at least a decade. Um, but it comes and goes. I think I'm on a better medication mix now than I've ever been on before, which is wonderful. And sometimes it takes 10 years. You know, to, to, to figure out what works for you. Right. Uh, turns out for me, um, uh, my body wasn't producing testosterone like it was supposed to. Huh. Really? Uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah. So uh, sometimes you'll see like acne, you know, on my, on my arms or, or on my face. Cause I'm basically in a perpetual state of puberty because <laughs> I get a shot in the butt every week. Um, but that's been a big help, but the, it, it, it's interesting um, for people who don't understand it. Awesome. Mm. This is the suckiest club to be in ever. This is, this is definitely one of those things people go, Oh, Hey, I'm depressed too. I am so sorry. I would much rather play <laughs> DMT with you or have literally anything else in common. Cause this sucks. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> but that said, uh, the fact that we're talking about it, you know, um, I, and, and I, we're not lending credibility to, you know, or, or making people think that, that, you know, self-harm is, is the way out because it's not right. Uh, that said, when you're in it, when you're in that really dark place, you, 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 you do eventually at some point hit the point where you stop looking at it as a scary thing. And it starts looking like you're, like the best thing ever. Right. Um, it starts looking but, like your ticket, your ticket out and you're just like, all right, you know, let's do it. It, it changes. It, it flips. Um, that, 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 that flip is tough. Um, 
but uh i'm sorry y'all were talking about your experiences i just wanted no. to no I, no eric eric no that was that was i i always have have said uh that I, I, this is one thing that i told my friends when i was going through this is um, i'm never going to stop having a lot of really really good reasons to live but in that headspace i only needed one reason to go yeah i, on, I only needed one good reason to go and that that would have pushed me over the edge and i'm lucky that i'm 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 lucky that I found the resilience in other people. I mean, I, I did some of it, but a lot of it was the support network that I had around me. And I'm going to shut up for a second so I don't get emotional. This, oh. I, I think if anywhere, this is probably a, a decent place to be emotional, my friend. Yeah. You, know, uh, yeah. you, you had mentioned religion earlier, and I think that definitely played a severe part in my own depression. Uh, when I was 18, my girlfriend of three years died from a brain aneurysm. And I still believed in that God at that point. And it wasn't a hopeful thing for me because I spent the next month in bed begging him to kill me because I was afraid that if I did it myself, I wouldn't get to go to heaven, but I wanted to die so badly. Yeah. Yeah. When when uh, when my brother passed, I was a believer and I was doing the same thing. I was like, just take me in place of him. This guy's uh, an army medic. He's brilliant. The world needs him. Like, let's just trade. Um, now, I will say, you know, I'm proud that when I was at my lowest moment, I wasn't sitting there, you know, asking God for help. Now, granted, some people need that. That's what works for them. I chose to believe in myself and the the people around me to help me. And I I wasn't wrong for doing that. No. I, I found and solace in absurdism. I, oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I didn't I didn't mean to cut you oh, off. Um and you know, I would like to add that prior to my experience, personal experience with uh depression, I was one of those people that would say they're just being lazy. Just get over it. Like I, I didn't, I, yeah, I, I, if I thought it was just, you just got to tough it out, rub some dirt on it. I didn't really comprehend that it was a chemical imbalance. That's it. It's not a choice. None no, of no. us want to have these thoughts. None of us want to feel like this. Sorry. I apologize. I don't want to speak for you guys. I don't want to feel like this. <laughs> you can go ahead and include me in that statement. Yeah, yeah, you're pretty good. We agree. And yeah. when you're when that's all you can fixate on, it's it's not that you have a choice. Like I I literally grabbed a paper and pen. I started writing down all the positives I could. I tried playing better music, but nothing, literally nothing would pull me away from those thoughts. That's all my brain would fixate on. It's not a choice. And when you get this bad, I would just implore everybody to ask for help yeah. and don't yes. be scared yes. to it's, it's okay. It sucks to feel like this, but it's okay to get help. It's it, it, it you're not a burden. Ask for help. Ooh, now we just, we just talked about, sorry, go ahead. we just, we just they talked about the results of getting the kind of help you don't need, the kind of help that would hurt you. Right. Would you have any advice for the younger you in regards to what kind of help you should have actually sought? 
Uh, yeah, I would have. This time I would have uh, actually gone to a mental facility and checked myself in. Um, like where I went to for outpatient after this place let me go, uh, I, I would have went there instead somewhere that specializes in it. Now, if the emergency room is all you have, I mean, it, sorry, I don't want to make recommendations. I'm not a medical professional. Uh, any I port would, in the storm? I, I would just implore you, yeah, to not do this alone. Hmm. Uh, it will get better. You got to fight through it and be willing to ask for help. Yes. Yeah. And I think when it comes to feelings of suicidal ideation, especially getting help as soon as you have those feelings is important. Yes. Yeah. As far as, as far as it being a choice um, to, you know, to just get over it or stop, stop being sad. Like those, those sorts of comments, which I, I find I kind of kind of funny now, but they weren't funny, you know, when I was really going through it, but um, I, anyone who knows me knows, knows there's one thing that I love and wouldn't give up for the world. And that's the ability to prove people wrong. <laughs> and I, I went to day one of my, of my debate tournament, my final ever debate tournament. And I got through day one and I got back to the hotel and it was over. I, I loved, I loved debate so much and I wanted to keep going, but my anxiety was so high and I was so in a, such a bad place that if I were to came back the second day, I probably would have done permanent damage by continuing to do that in those sorts of situations. So I had to tell my coach that, you know, and, and that first day we, we didn't lose a single round. We were six and oh, we had won every single round that day and we were in good position to place very high and I, we never got to finish it. And I was lucky that my debate partner, the person who also helped me through my deconversion, Riley, said that not only were we not debating tomorrow, but that he was going to stay at my house for the next couple of days to help me through it. And, you know, those are the kind of people you want to surround yourself with, I think. But yeah, um, in, in fact, anybody who if, if you know somebody who's who's going through this, um, I've, I've heard a lot of people say, well, I don't know what to do. What the hell do you do? You be there. You literally just be there. Yeah. Um, it doesn't matter. <laughs> I really don't think it matters too much what you say <laughs> just to physically be there. Um, it, it makes all the difference in the world. Um, yeah. I, sorry. Go ahead, Ethan. No. And, uh, you know, being friends with somebody who suffers from like, I, okay, I want to be clear. I'm one of the lucky ones. Like I, 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 I don't, at least I hope I'm not going to go through this again for a very long time. If ever, like I've, I, I mean, I don't know, but it rarely, very rarely happens to me. So I am fortunate, but there are many people who suffer with this often and all the time. And one of the most hardest things best bleh, I can't talk one of the hardest things you can do but also one of the best is to just be their friend because they need it I know it's hard but do everything you can to support the people mentally who need your help yeah just as long as you you have it and need to give to you know self-care is important absolutely um, and and it's it's interesting for for those people who kind of are living with the specter of this always being in their lives. 
um, I compare it to losing a leg. And um, I don't know if I've given this analogy before. I know I've given it on other shows, but it's um, uh, other than why don't you just get better? Another common thing I've I, I come across is, wait, what medications are you taking? How many meds are you taking? Well, you shouldn't do that. You'll get addicted to them. You know, you're going to get hooked on those medications and you really need to be careful because, you know, pharmaceutical, whatever. Um, but you don't see them getting pissed off at diabetics, right? For, no. For insulin. Right. <laughs> and, um, and, and, and really, honestly, getting insulin doesn't mean that all of a sudden you're exactly like you would be if you weren't diabetic. No, that is not how that works. I, I, when, when I compare it to missing a leg, it's like getting a prosthetic. You know, when you get medicated appropriately. It feels like you got a prosthetic leg. If you when, when you lost a leg, it's 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 a help. It mm. will help, but it is not a replacement. It does not make everything better. But what it does do is is help you cope. And nobody should you know nobody's telling you, hey, you really shouldn't use that prosthetic. You know, you're going to get addicted to it because <laughs> um, it, it's ridiculous. Right. But but there's there's another side to it too, and that is the way you treat it. Because you could just be the guy that has one leg. Hmm. You could just be that guy. You know, I, 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 you don't, you could easily, you know, hey, uh, you know, wh wh where's Eric? Which Eric? Oh, you know, the one without a leg. You know, <laughs> like, like, how are people describing you? How do, how do you want to be described? How do you want to be known? Because I don't want to let this illness define me. This is not going to be the thing that people go, you know, oh, hey, where's Eric? Which Eric? The depressed guy. That one. No. I'll be the guy with the hair. How about that? That's cool. Fine. But not not the <laughs> depression, you know. Don't 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 make the depression that thing that that you identify with as something that is core to your identity because it it really will screw you up. Um so that that's one bit of it. I don't even know if we're moving into the advice section, <laughs> but um, yeah, n n yeah. Sorry, I'm no, rambling. Fine. Uh, please ramble away. Okay. Uh -oh. Well, fine then. I will. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> do it. I will. Just give me a second. <laughs> okay. Here we go. Uh, well, now I lost what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> I, I believe you were making fun of the fact that you had more hair than me. I believe that's where you were going with that. Oh, 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 no, no, no. With your glorious level of bearding. Let's not oh, talk. No. Let's not no. talk. I'm half Mexican. I grow this little, little John Waters stash thing, and that's all I can do. Yeah, I'm not going bald. My hair is migrating to be closer to the dulcet tones of my voice. It's fantastic. It's fantastic. <laughs> Just you. Yes, absolutely. Um, oh, what was I gonna, oh, I know what I was going to say. Um, outlook, outlook is so fucking important. Yes. Um, I hope you don't mind if I'm cussing. You're not going to get this video monetized. Either. <laughs> I, I, I'm totally aware of that. <laughs> it's, this video, this is not about that. This is for yeah. where so speak freely, please. Good. Um, yeah, I, I think one of the things that really helped me a lot in being able to deal with this in a day-to-day -day way, um, is. And, and by the way, just as an aside, if your loved one is dealing with depression or has, you know, a, a, a clinical, if it's going to be with them for life, if you're wondering, are they feeling it right now? Yes. 
Yes, they are. You know that awesome moment that you had? Were they feeling it? Yeah, they were. It doesn't diminish things. It doesn't diminish the way they feel about you. It doesn't diminish the imports that they put on, on the people and places around them. It's just the, it's just a thing. Hmm. It's just a thing. Um, I think one of the things that helps me the most is absurdism. Is what, what is absurdism? Sure. Um, Jonathan, I am happy to tell you that you, sir, are not special. I'm okay with that. Like, not. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? Yes. There's no pressure. <laughs> not only uh, is there no pressure, but like if if, if you, you know, have a, a, a terrible breakup and you're like, that was the one. You know, not what? special either. Yeah, you're not special enough to have other one. That's just not a thing. You know, if, if, if you're if you're looking for that one in a million person in a planet full of seven billion people, that means that you're going to have seven thousand people exactly like that one in a million person that, that are still out there. And yeah, that's a lot of numbers. Yeah, it's 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 insane. And, and, and you're not so unique that nobody has gone through this kind of pain. You know, it's it's just that. And so what is absurdism? Absurdism is recognizing the absolute. I, it, it's, it's look, it, it's it's a response to nihilism. Mm-hmm. Um, so there is no greater purpose. There is no um, heavenly plan. And because of that, we're all expecting this extra layer on top of um, on top of meaning and purpose. That's just not there. It's like growing up in a hotel that has 12 floors, you know, or, or 14 floors and being told, no, 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 there's a 15th. You know, it, it's it's just not in there. Uh, it says, I can't say this enough. Talk therapy, talk therapy, talk therapy. Yes. Therapy uh, is so good. Yeah. Like, no, I got two <laughs> different therapists I see for different issues. Yeah. It's great. Um, and even if you're feeling good, therapy. Like... And uh, don't be hesitant to drop a bad therapist. Oh, yeah. Yeah, just, they're not all good. Nope. They're not. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm actually looking for one now. Uh, good luck. I, I recognize that uh, clearly what I was doing wasn't necessarily completely working, and I do have some underlying issues I need to talk out. My problem comes in with, uh, in the... Let's just say the time period and area I was raised in where, or I, you know, I don't want to necessarily point to my, you know, family because none of them really did this, but constantly being told that it was just uh, a weakness and talking to people don't show your, you know, men don't show their feelings. Don't, don't seek. I had that shit pounded in my head over and over again. So for me, the hardest thing for me to do is to talk to somebody because in the back of my head, I still have that nagging thing of don't, don't do it. It's a weakness. Don't talk to them. And it's so frustrating. And it's, and I know, like, I can think about this. I know it's ridiculous, but that bullshit sits there, man. And it's so hard to get rid of. And to the point that when I have gone to see counselors, I feel uncomfortable talking to them. There was a comedian by the name of Christopher Titus, and he said something incredibly poignant, I thought. 
Uh, he said, when you're young, your father puts voices in your head and you don't even realize that they're there because he's drowning them out with what he's putting in there additionally. But once you move out, the voices go with you. And there's some truth yeah. to that. Now, I think I'm lucky in a certain regards because the people who put the voices in my head were absolute bastards. So I was able to turn on those voices pretty well. It, I, I'm lucky in the regards that these voices weren't put there by people who deserved my love. So it was very easy for me to turn on them and to get better and to push them out. What do you think caused the negative stigma around mental health? Ooh, I was, I was going to go for it, but then I decided to pull back. Um, I'll say in, in a lot of instances, I think it is kind of a traditionalist culture whether that means religious or fundamentalist, whatever that means to you, the conceptualization that ideas at the dinner table shouldn't be tough ideas. They should be ideas that everyone can agree upon. And that, you know, Thanksgiving should be, you know, don't talk politics and religion at Thanksgiving. Like keep, keep yours to your own. Those sorts of mindsets that we don't talk about things that may offend or hurt somebody at the table. And I understand it's important to be respectful and it's important to have a approach conversations thoughtfully. But I came from, you know, a family on my, at least on my, on my dad's side where there was no talking about how you felt at the dinner table. If you felt upset or, or, or wronged in any way, you, you took it to bed and you slept on it. And that was about all you got. And it's important to make these conversations as easy and as open as possible especially when not every kid like me, I didn't always have a whole lot of friends. So if I didn't have a friend group to turn to, and even now a lot of my friends are either in, you know, in the military or at college and I don't see them all the time, especially with quarantine. So you do feel like you have a, a lack of a support network and I'm already bad enough at talking about it from that upbringing that you have to fix those two things. And Ooh, it is tough. It is a tough problem. Hmm that I'm not good at communicating. Sorry. You seem to be pretty good at communicating it to me. Yeah, I appreciate you, that. You did good here. I, I, I think, uh, when the, when, when you said cultural, that immediately made me think of kind of tying in, uh, what they were saying that it, this, whether or not your individual circumstances are a thing, we've got four dudes, on here right now we can address toxic masculinity and where that intersects with depression and anxiety and um uh, jonathan talking about those voices is actually a really really good way of putting that there are some voices that you know it, it, it creates a, a very um very particular set of problems and i'm not saying that you know people who aren't men don't this is that's not what i mean at all but just that added on top you know uh ethan speaking to you know not being allowed to talk about your feelings not being able to talk about what's bothering you um christian you know talking about having to go to bed with that i i think um yeah toxic masculinity just like ties those things really well tight. my my grandfather used to say you know only babies and girls cry he used to say it to me all the time when i was a kid and for the longest time, I believed it. 
Like if, if you're, if you're crying, you're showing weakness and yeah. that's bad because you should be strong because you're the man of the family. And, you know, even, even now I'm, sometimes I'm over at the house and I hear my little brother is getting the same message, you know, you know, stop crying. You're not a baby or stop, stop, you know, stop showing that emotion. You need to, you need to be a man. And I sit there thinking, now what message does that send? It sends two messages. It sends a, that when they're really hurting, they certainly can't come to you because they'll get that response. And even as the grandparents, they should be able to come to you. But additionally to that, they also will not have the confidence to come to somebody else because they are trained to think everyone else believes that way. And that is the, that is the damage I think that comes from a message like that. Well, I think especially as a child, you have your one experience and you assume it's the way the whole world over. And as a child, I thought everyone knew of the abuse that I was going through. And I thought it was standard and I thought everyone went through it and I thought they approved of it. So it's, we're working with brains that are designed for finding the ripest fruit and sharing it with the other monkeys. And I think we're doing pretty well considering that. I agree. Mm. I, you know, uh, toxic masculinity, that's, that hits home for me very much. Mm. And I, I'm not going to say and I, that is that is why i've always struggled with talking about things is not only was i told that uh you know it wasn't manly but because i'm okay this is hard to talk about uh i have more like flamboyant characteristics okay like i'll dance on stage i'm goofy and as a result of that and i you know i didn't like football so growing up i was constantly and routinely told I was gay. And by a particular family member, I would be called a F-A-G-G-O-T because of my hair. So I struggled with that masculinity crap for a large majority of my life. And it got to the point where it was like, where the only time I felt like I could be myself was on stage. Because when I was being goofy, like I got to be me, it was normal because it was on stage. But when it was off stage, it that's not normal. So I was just that shit was just pounded in my head so much, making it impossible to ever want to actually talk about my problems. And I hope we as a society stop doing that shit because it fucks you up. Yeah. Well, the more we talk about it, the more we can normalize it. That's why we're here, my man. Yeah. I can't identify where this problem started for society, but this is what we need to be doing in order to fight it. Agreed. Um, I, I, have, I have nieces and nephews, and I am very open about the fact that I go to the therapy. I'm incredibly open about that. And I'm glad I am because my nephew was having a hard time with the COVID situation, and he you know, less than 10 years old, but he asked if he could talk to a therapist about it. And it's like, yeah, absolutely. Just, yeah. Nice. Yeah. Eric, what do you think we can do to, aside from just having this conversation to help people more who are suffering uh, from depression? Or what advice would you, would you give? Um, 
I, so I, I I don't remember now who said it first. I but uh, the, you're not a burden piece. Yeah. Um, you're not. And as much as as easy it is as it is to dismiss your pain, it's still there. Mm. It's still yours, and you're entitled to your feelings. Um, there are a lot of people who will put down and put away and 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 try to ignore the fact that they're going through some shit. Why? Well, because there are starving kids in Africa. Really? Is that? <laughs> I, I've done that. I've uh -huh. said that yes. out loud, Eric. I've literally said, <laughs> "Look, it, there are starving. There are mm -hmm. people starving out there. There are people locked away. There are people being tortured. I have no right to feel like this. I have said that a mm -hmm. large majority of my life. Huge. I'm pitching. I can't do this. It's not right. Yeah. When I have a thought like that, I start to engage myself like I'm actually having a conversation, and. I answer that question that I give myself back or that statement with suffering is not a damn competition. <laughs> no, no, this there is are, this there is are no medals given out. There's not some, you know, saddest guy in the world. And he's the only person who gets to complain about shit. <laughs> he doesn't have a monopoly on sadness. We're good here. <laughs> Got to yeah. establish some antitrust laws for depression monopolies. Yes. Yes. You know what? Honestly, if if only it was uh, if only one person had to deal with it, that would be fucking fantastic. <laughs> but but you you are so I'm sorry. No, a friend of mine just commented. That was that was sweet of her. <laughs> I you know. I'd also like to say one thing we do need to stop doing. Uh, you know, is tell. Let's say you see someone that is more fortunate than you, okay? Let's say they have a lot of money or, you know, whatever. They have a lot more than you. And if you see them depressed, the worst thing you could say to them is you have no right to feel like this. Look at all this stuff. It's it's not like they have a choice. And just because someone has a lot of material belongings or other things doesn't mean they don't have a right to feel like that. Your feelings are valid. Yes. Yeah. I, I, I sometimes describe in one of my colorful analogies, because I love doing these, um, you're, you're, you're going, imagine for a moment that you're going trick-or-treating with your friends. And one of them has a, let's say there's three of them. One of them has a bag that's filled all the way up with candy. One of them has a bag that's filled halfway up with candy. And one of them doesn't have anything in the bag. And you are frustrated. You say, you know, why do you two have all the candy? And they say, well, there's some kids who don't get any candy at all. And it's it's almost, it's an, it's an invalidation of personal suffering that I don't think is productive to the conversation. Because yes, it is true that there are kids who don't have candy, but that shouldn't change our, our focus on making the systems of which we live in more equitable, more, more reflective of who we should be as people. So suffering in external worlds, we should focus on those too, and we should help those problems as well, but invalidating personal experience could just as well be used to justify the next ignorance of problems. Hmm. So, yeah. All right. Uh, here's a question from Puck, which I think is a really good one. Um, and we'll start with you, Eric. How do you find the right balance between taking care of your mental health and fulfilling obligations, i.e., schedules, work, and family? Oh wow, that I am really not good at that. <laughs> I was hoping you'd have a good answer for this one. 
Uh, well, so I, I kind of, I got to a point, uh, a few years back, uh, when I was working for the ACA and my entire, my everything was wrapped up in being the director of, commu of communications for the ACA. Um, I became that as a personality instead of needing to worry about, you know, growing me as a person. I just became this kind of embodiment of what I wanted the ACA to be. Um, and so I was out there and I talked to everybody and I didn't leave time for myself. I didn't leave much time for sleep. I didn't leave much time for really anything. I remember the day that I realized I could take calls while in the drive in the car, like on the drive to work was one of the best days for me because I was like, cool, I can fit in more meetings, you know, <laughs> on my drive. Um, there's a reason I'm saying this, um, because I bounced back and I burned out really hard. Um, so now getting a hold of me is near impossible. Um, even for my family, even for, you know, close friends, the people who know me best know that I don't, um, it's, it's, it's not that I don't like you. It's not that I don't, I just, I just can't. And mm -hmm. so I've recognized that if I can have conversations with the people I need to, then everything else is a bonus. And so, you know, that self-care, it's just got to come first. And every person that I've, you know, who's confronted me said, Eric, you know, you haven't gotten hold, you haven't gotten back to me in a week. You know, I, I, I'll, I'll tell them, hey, I, got, I had to take care of myself. And those people who are worth keeping in my life recognize that and, and are okay with it. Um, but how do you find the balance? You don't balance your well-being with anything your well-being comes first and if that means that you don't get to have as many friends it's better to be around and have friends at all than not be around because you put things in front of yourself that's a really good way to put it <laughs> <laughs> um because i I've, I've 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 done that i've done that many times mm -hmm. and um I, I, I've now limited myself to, uh, yeah, just a very, very small group. So I've got my roommates, I have my partner, V, I have, um, you know, uh, Drew and Taylor, a genetically, genetically modified skeptic, and uh, Taylor, the, the anti-bot, they're, they're, they're our quarantine group. And even Drew and Taylor, I talk to maybe once every two weeks. Like, I just don't anymore. You know, I talk to talk to Jenna Belk when I can because I love Jenna. She's like a little sister, but I just um you, you, you gotta you gotta you gotta focus on yourself, everything else that can come after. Um yeah, that's just the way it's had to be for me. Um, I wanna jump to Christian on this one because he's gotta duck out in just a couple minutes. Oh, uh, oh so my I'm answer will be short. I don't. I don't balance. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. It's an absolute mess. It's like it's like a really poorly painted painting where nothing actually fits, but it looks fine anyway. So um yeah, I just I I don't I don't balance very well. I've tried to get better. I wish I wish that I could could find ways to do all these sorts of things without 
you know, freaking out and, 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 you know, having to schedule all day long, but haven't found the balance yet, but to be fair, it's only been like two and a half months. So hopefully I'll get better at it. But. And a uh, real quick Christian, where can they uh, check you out at? Um, YouTube.com slash Christian J Watkins, um, Twitter at, I don't even know my handle on Twitter. I feel, I feel like if you, if you just like Google the name at, at Christian some point, J. it'll come up. Sorry. Ethan knows it more than I do. There we go. <laughs> Christian J. Yeah. Watt one. A very professional production from myself as always. So <laughs> thank well, you. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. No, thank you. And good luck on your, I believe you were jumping on a podcast or interview. Yeah. Or yeah. Going to talk with uh, objectively Dan. So nice. So. Well, good luck. Nice. Yes. And thanks for having me on. And... Take care, brother. Um, To you, Jonathan, how, how are right. you? Uh, I look at it as a hierarchical structure. Uh, I am an incredibly selfish bastard and I am the number one priority in my own life because I am the only person who, if my life ends, it ends entirely for me. So it starts with me and it goes down from there as far as my priorities go. And in order to better handle my priorities, I first decide what I'm okay with being an absolute half-assing monster at. I decide what I'm okay with failing at. And then I make my priorities from there. See, yeah, I'm, I'm still trying to learn. And uh, Eric Murphy actually gave me uh, some uh, advice a few months ago. One of the first times I talked to him on uh, his Twitch, and he's like, you know, you can't always reply to everyone. And I'm like, no, I, I have to. And he's like, you're gonna have to slow that down. And he was right. It's that sounds like a really smart guy. That the is an asshole. <laughs> so like I'll I'm trying to now like limit the time of like obviously there are certain people where when I see them message me it's like I I grab that right away but I've had to slow down because I'm like okay I have a normal day job which is forty to fifty hours a week I have the streaming which is a lot of hours a week I. I I can't just reply to messages all day. I'm like, this is eating so much of my time. And when Eric first told me that, I was like, no, no, I've got this. And I was, no, <laughs> no, it's hard. It's really hard. Uh, burnout is a real thing and it will hurt you in the long run. Yeah. And also, um, when people are reaching out to you, a, a lot of times, um, it takes it, it'll take a lot you know um people who are manipulative and abusive gravitate towards the person they see on the screen um you'll you'll get people who will message you and you'll be like cool you know thanks for watching and then they'll take that as full permission to oh now i'm your best friend i'm going to message you seventeen thousand times a day <laughs> and take that uh, personal insult you're a bad person if you don't respond to me it, yeah. given that i have messaged you a couple of times i hope you're not talking about me no oh, uh, <laughs> no, 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 no like, like i've had people message me no. saying you know um erica you didn't even respond to me you seem like such a nice guy it it sucks that you're such a, a fake and a piece of shit you know and and um you know i here i here i was reaching out to you in my time of need and you know anything to anything to get their claws in you and th th that's another thing is uh you know talking about my depression um means that people do reach out to me in need yeah you, know, you don't reach out to the rando on youtube who doesn't know you 
as your first choice of a person to talk to. You don't. You 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 exhausted your resources. That's why you're reaching out. It's a hail mary, right? You know. And I I put myself in a position like that, where I would just continuously take responsibility for the lives of people who were messaging me. And it actually was through therapy that I I wound up having to accept that you can't own their lives. You can't. If you bought them an extra day, if you bought them an extra week, be proud of that. Yeah. Because that's time that they may not have had otherwise. But that doesn't mean that you could have bought them more. You mm -hmm. can't live their life for them. And letting go that way has been difficult. Ethan, bro, you're putting yourself out there in a really, really big way, being very personal. This is serious. This this will hit you if it hasn't been hitting you hard already. Like people will reach out. You need to draw that line, and on top of that, you need to do that even in people that are personally in your life. I've had people who I've needed to draw strong lines with and say, "Hey, you know, I understand you're in need. I can't be that person for you." You know, that's, that's hard. You know, it's. Because I honestly want to be there for everyone. Of course and, you do. Uh, no, you go through this sort of thing, you end up with a savior complex. It happens to all of us. Well, I, I can't say all of us. It happens to a lot of us. No, it's just... I have a really good... Like, I'm really good at making people laugh. And I. it's almost like I, I do at times feel like, look, man, if I can make someone laugh, if I can take away 30 seconds of pain from this monotonous day like that really can be very rewarding um but I, I i do have to find the line between always replying or maybe not replying as often uh because it's it's difficult but i just i don't know i i hate that there's people out there that need help and i'm not always able to help them or that they may not be able to get the help they need it it sucks yeah yeah Coming through onto this other side of depression, it's really important to accept that you can't save everyone. You can't. It's not possible. You're not going to do it. And it's it's important to accept that before you have to go through it. Because, you know, our brains typically, if we have been through depression, are real easy to set up for another depressive episode. It it can trigger us. It can make us go back into it. And I'm speaking in a general sense, but that's because I want the people in the chat to understand that it can apply to them too. It's self-care is important. Yes. I'm learning that. Um, all right. Question from Cynthia. Are you able to identify personal triggers that can send you into a depressive state? I am asking because I am just starting to notice mine, but I am very bad at it. Um, I can answer this quickly. N no, I know what trips my anxiety, uh, which has actually been worse lately since that experience is when my dog starts barking like crazy uh, and sudden loud noises. Like my nephew popped a balloon the other day and it took me like 15 minutes to calm down. I was just sitting there like... <sighs> So, yeah, I would say right now I currently have some severe uh, noise triggers, um, depression triggers. Uh, I don't know. Well, what about you, Eric? 
Um, <laughs> uh, it's tough, man. Uh, that that that's a tough question because I, I I think it just depends on how well I've got a handle on my depression that day. Um, you know, everything's kind of depression flavored, you know, <laughs> for me. So I don't, I don't, um, I don't know if it's a trigger. Like, I, I totally feel you on the anxiety thing though. You know, I know it can trip my anxiety and honestly, um, often generalized anxiety um, will 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 put me into a, a depressive spiral because you know when generalized anxiety comes, then you don't actually have a place for that anxiety to live, and so you start creating, you know, well, I must be anxious because of this thing, and um, it, it it just it it spirals itself out. Um, but depression, uh, I, I I I don't I don't I don't know. I think for me, that's incredibly hard to answer because there's no uh, trigger gunshot off to the races sort of thing for my depression. It's a slow release sort of thing. Uh, you know, deciding to go back to bed after I just get up and, uh, you know, not even bothering to get food or water. I know I have to get myself out of bed. It's the depression kitty thing you were talking about earlier. It's slow, it's seductive, and it pulls you in and you don't even realize it until after it started to happen and oh yeah yeah and and, and it, it doesn't it, we're not coming we're not talking about this from the other side i'll tell you depression kitty really wanted me to get to i really wanted to go lay in bed after work today and, yeah. and i was like oh i've got this stream you know <laughs> like it is it is Honestly. a constant thing that's what I do. I fill my life with something that I can go to next that requires my attention. I am an active person and I am an active person specifically because of my depression, because I'm constantly fighting it. And that is a damn good way to do it. Mm -hmm. All right. I want to get to our uh, last question, which is uh -huh. from what suggestions do you have for partners of people with depression? What kind of help can they offer? I think that's a really good question. Um, I, I can tell you, for me, is like if I am, I guess it depends on how well I know you. Um, if, um, like, I don't like people seeing that really downside of me. Um, my, my biggest fear is. People have always told me I have a contagious personality, like my laughter and my goofiness makes them smile. I am fucking terrified that if my ups are uh, contagious, what if my downs are contagious too? And I do not want to do that to somebody. So I feel it's better to keep to myself. Um, that being said, what's helped me the most in my previous partner was she would literally just be there but not be overwhelming not like oh my god what do you need do you need this not just hey i'm here whether it be laying next to me laying in the other room or being receptive and seeing like trying to make me laugh occasionally like that work for me is just knowing she was there but not hovering i, I personally don't like to be uh hovered 
uh, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> they're your partner they're, they're... <laughs> um well <laughs> jonathan can you go next i i've, I've got a uh, you take your time and you formulate that but there's a problem with this because i am uniquely unqualified to answer this question uh you see i mentioned earlier that uh in order for time management to work, I had to decide which things I wanted to suck ass at first. And first thing I decided was going off the list was romantic relationships. So I don't do them. <laughs> now that being said, uh, now that I've had time to reconstitute myself, I have put those back on the table, but that doesn't make me qualified to answer that question, but just because I've thought about dating again <laughs> um i can point out a couple ways not to do it um i think that would probably be a good place to start um number one thing not to do with for partner with depression don't take personal responsibility for your partner's depression um because if i catch that you're taking personal responsibility for my depression my immediate reaction is to hide my depression um that does that helps nobody um so i think rule number one don't take responsibility recognize and let them live with and let them own their depression uh number two um sorry i'm 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 off my add meds right now which has actually been causing one of those anxiety spirals and so uh you pop that question up and i, I can't uh give me just oh, a second <laughs> no 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 that's okay um don't own uh, uh, your partner's depression. Number two, um, don't punish your partner's depression. Um, I've also been in re relationships where um, having an issue has been punished. And I don't think the other person intended for it to come off as punishment. But, you know, as, as often as I can, you know, be great you know, and, 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 and fight it off. And, you know, today's been a victory. That doesn't mean tomorrow's going to be, and it doesn't mean that, you know, um, it's always going to be easy because it's not. And sometimes I don't win the battle the way I do every time. And um, just recognizing that uh, Ethan, I love the way you're describing how just being there, just being there is so damn important. Um, also uh, just a, just a, just a, straight cut to v um sweet potato babinka is a great way to help your partner's depression um, <laughs> uh, please make more of that it's delicious <laughs> well, to try that. Did, did you get to try yeah. those pickled apple slices that they made did you get to try that because I, I saw that on twitter <laughs> i try most of the things that they get to make and i am incredibly spoiled for it um yeah okay sorry what, what was the other question that uh uh Kristen popped up Oh, no, uh, Kristen was just replying to uh, best name, which I thought, I'm sorry, Kristen, yeah, best name was just replying to V. Uh, Got it. <laughs> she, uh, Kristen said, maybe try your best not to take things personally, to understand that whatever is happening or not happening is not about you. And I think that's uh, an important takeaway. If your partner's depressed, don't blame yourself. You know, it, it may not be about you at all. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, Jonathan, I don't believe you've answered this yet. 
I mean, I mean, I answered that I was unqualified to answer. Oh, it. Yeah. okay, good point. All right. But uh, if if you want me to go into a little more detail, um, I respond to uh, people taking responsibility for my depression by completely ghosting them. Just normally, I am incredibly principled and kind as it comes to being a partner. But the second someone refuses to take no for an answer on uh, me telling them I don't want them to help me with this, it's done. And it is such a level of done that I won't even let them know it's done. And that may sound awful, but on another level, that's me defending my mental health because someone trying to take responsibility for my depression makes my depression worse. Makes sense. Yeah. So maybe just show up with a pizza. (laughs) (laughs) There we go. I like that. Show up with a pizza. Yeah. Like, don't make a big deal out of it. Just show up with a pizza and no beer. No beer during the depressive episode. (laughs) Not allowed. (laughs) But but, but there are other things like, um, you know, if if you if you are, well, I'll just use myself as an example. If you are my partner and you get to know my moods. Um, there are some really good things that you could do. Like, Eric, have you taken your meds today? Mm-hmm. <laughs> good thing to do. Um, also, you know, treat it like your, your, your partner's diabetic mm-hmm. or, you know, it, my example earlier of missing a leg, you know, sometimes it just takes a little bit of extra care. Mm-hmm. I, the, 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 the interesting thing is this is a disability and, it's one that our society has tried to make exempt from the understanding we all have of disabilities for some stupid reason, but it is, it is a disability. You know, it's okay to recognize it as such and treat it as such. And that doesn't mean that, you know, it's going to take up your whole life, but just know that it's just going to be a part of things. All right, Jonathan, is there anything else you would like to let, uh that we didn't cover that you want to let the audience know uh yeah when you're looking for resources to deal with this make sure you're looking for resources that fit with your situation it's not just about finding the first person the first you know the first youtuber who is available to you it's about finding somebody who's qualified to help you uh i don't know jack about shit, so don't come to me for advice necessarily don't come to me for professional help if you need it uh i am sympathetic i am kind about this i understand where people are coming from that does not make me qualified to offer advice on a particular situation if i mean we we got the little numbers going across the bottom of the screen there those are good uh if you're a veteran look for the veterans crisis center they are great don't necessarily go with the first therapist they recommend to you. Uh, that was a mistake I made, and uh, it nearly made my depression significantly worse. Uh, get a good therapist. And if you think you might need a therapist, get a therapist anyway. It's not going to hurt things. That's true. No, it, 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 I mean, going to a therapist when you're feeling well prevents you often from spiraling as deep as you could get otherwise. And on top of that, um, getting help with things that you wouldn't necessarily think of a therapist for, um, 
I, I, as long as I've been able to afford it, I, I can't do it anymore as much as I used to, but I tried to go to a therapist every week when I could, regardless of how I was feeling. And it made me a better communicator. It made yes. me a better friend. It made me a better partner because I was focusing on, Hey, you know, how can I better, um, operate and, and, and engage with other people. And it's because of that. It's because of years of therapy. Yeah. And I don't know at what point it becomes recovery versus self-improvement, but I don't know if there's a meaningful distinction either. Mm. Fair enough. Fair enough. Eric, is there anything else you'd like to, uh, like the audience to know? Um, you're not alone. You're not alone. It doesn't matter what your personal situation is. Robin Williams um, eventually succumbed to this 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 disability, and um, there are a lot of people who were saying, um, "What did he have to be depressed about?" The fact is, is often depression is not related to a thing. It's just something that we deal with. You're allowed. You're entitled. And to negate that is to negate a very real fact about the world. Um, so it doesn't matter how good you personally have it, or it's you're entitled to 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 get help. And it's okay to say I'm having problems, and 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 that's yeah, you're not alone. I would agree. <clears throat> and I want to just echo what I said earlier about remember asking for help doesn't make you a burden. Don't be scared to ask. And um, on a lighter note, uh, I, I shared a, 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 the last thing I'd like to let the audience know is the laughter that actually alleviated my anxiety. Um, because it was pretty bad and it was literally one particular moment that made me laugh that I literally felt the weight of anxiety coming off my shoulders for that. Like it was like, there was like three bad weeks. And when that happened, I literally remember going like, like I was like, literally all of a sudden I can breathe. So it's because I get myself into awkward scenarios. Um, so real quick, about three to four weeks ago, I, uh, I challenged some witches on Facebook to put a negative hex on me. And of course I pissed off some people by doing that. I had several witches message me one in particular that said I was going to regret it and all this stuff. Now, fast forward, when I went to this outpatient facility, my ex was trying to help out. And she proceeds to tell like the, I'm not there. She tells the psychiatrist, she's just trying to give him everything she can to get me the help I need. Like incredibly, my, my, my ex-wife is incredibly supportive. Well, the first time I'm meeting this psychiatrist, he's like, you know, introduces himself and he's like, so uh, I'm going over your chart. And it says here that you believe you've been cursed by witches <laughs> yes I start laughing and i'm like okay you're gonna love this and he's looking at me like this guy's fucking crazy and i'm like okay look that's not at entirely true i'm like i was challenging 
the witches because I don't <laughs> believe that stuff. But I don't actually think they did anything to me. And he is like, so, so, so you're not hearing voices. I'm like, no, not at all, man. I'm like, I don't believe any of that. And all of a sudden, he takes this book that's on his desk and closes it and goes, okay, well, we don't have to have that conversation. <laughs> <laughs> after that, I was just fucking dying. And I'm like, <sighs> only I would get this situation. And it was funny. And it like, it really just, it made me feel better. Um, I, laughter is a powerful thing. And it really, really was the best medicine I could have asked for. Ethan, I love what you're doing. Thank you. Um, thank you. Thank you for having me on. Jonathan? Yeah. yeah. Shit or get off the pot? Yeah, I will. I will. <laughs> I'm going to shit, I swear. <laughs> I, as, as, as soon as you put out content, I'll, 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 I'll help promote it. Thank you, sir. Yeah. Uh, Ethan, thank you so much for having me. Oh, thank you. So uh, lastly, Jonathan, I would ask where everyone can check you out at, but you don't have that YouTube channel yet. So uh, you can find him on Twitter at Dishonest Ape as seen on the screen. Yes. Eric Murphy, where can everyone check you out at? Uh, I have a personal channel, youtube.com slash Eric D. Murphy. I have conversations with Christian apologists, and I also go over episodes of call-in atheist shows um it's uh it's called murphy's law uh is the the program that i do that reviews the other thing that i do which is which which i'm much more well known for uh talk heathen uh that's a a product of the atheist community of austin uh my partner is my partner fee um who is on with me and uh we talk to religious people about what they believe and why um I also have a podcast that's on the back burner, but if you want to catch an episode, you can go to um, theatheistpodcast.com. Um, other than that, I've got, I'm on Twitch, I'm on Twitter, I'm on Facebook, I do Facebook streams. Um, I'm, 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 all, I'm all over the place, I think. <laughs> He's got a good Patreon too. I, do I? You you do. It's a very good Patreon. I like it. I I I would sincerely appreciate anybody who has not checked out my Patreon. Please check out my Patreon. <laughs> and then and 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 well, after you check out Ethan's, obviously, um, because uh, yeah, we're 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 all we're all working really hard to try and make this our thing. Um, but great, we we can, I think, all stand from a, a place of having to work full time jobs as well as doing this. Yes. Uh, there's not room for anything else. It'd be nice to have room for other things. Yeah, would. <laughs> but uh, but we don't get that right now. But when you love what you do, you you, you fight for it. You do and work to for it. Nail. To the nail. Uh, and, and this yeah. is also those of you in the chat. Um, what an amazing community this is. I'm just reading the names of the people in here, and I cannot tell you how many people in this chat have been such an integral part of my well-being um y'all have no idea how how big of an impact you make on us you're amazing thank you
I agree. And there's one, I'm not going to say this person's name, Eric, you'll know who I'm talking about. This person doesn't like credit, but I'm just going to say a special shout out to that person because when I, uh, she figured out I disappeared because quote, I never shut the fuck up on Facebook <laughs> and I wasn't saying anything on Facebook for a while. So she rallied troops, contacted some, uh, uh, my ex and some family members looking for me. So, uh, thank you very much to that person. You know who you are. Um, yes. Thank yeah. you to my uh, patrons, Cindy Plaza, Trina DeLuca, Kenneth Leonard, Kathy Lotto, Leto, Ian Davenport, and best name ever, and Blazing Wizard Pope. Um, you guys are awesome. Thank you, Jonathan, and thank you, Eric, for doing this with me. Absolutely. Thank you for I'd be happy to be on again if you had anything I could be similarly unqualified to talk about. <laughs> Um, also, thank you everyone for tuning in. Um, get help if you need it. You're not alone. You're not a burden. Stay happy, stay healthy, and uh, have a good week, everyone. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.